Bibles and uh, turn to Colossians chapter one, uh, chapter three, and verses one to seventeen. And just to let you know, this week about uh, thirty-three of us went up to Hillsong, and uh, it was it was incredible. I think there was about thirty-seven people there, uh, 37,000 people at um, the conference, and they booked out the. Acer Arena and all the things in the Olympic Park area, and it was just incredible. We had uh, a lot of great experiences as a team. It was hard to catch up with everyone. You sort of saw people running from one thing to another. I did the pastors and leaders stream with Mandy, and uh, our two kids went in the kids' song world. So they just loved being in there all day. They were exhausted by the end of it. So if I start getting a bit incoherent by the end of today, it's just a little bit of sleep I need. But Colossians chapter 3 and verses 1 to 17. This is what Paul writes. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honour and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. For you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. So put to death the sinful, earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual sin, impurity, lust, and shameful desires. Don't be greedy for the good things of this life, for that is idolatry. God's terrible anger will come upon those who do such things. You used to do them when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behaviour, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old nature and all its wicked deeds. In its place, you have clothed yourself with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ, who created you with this new nature. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric or uncivilised, slave or free, Christ is all that matters. And he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be holy, the holy people whom he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. And the most important piece of clothing you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, we are called to live in peace. And always be thankful. Let the words of Christ in all their riches, richness live in your hearts and make you wise 
use his words to teach and counsel each other. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. All the while, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh God, it's great to be together this morning. It's great to be here, your people, gathered to praise and to worship you. God, we pray that this morning that as we worship you, our hearts and our minds would be filled with thoughts of heaven, that we would be looking forward to the day when we go to be with you for eternity. God, we pray that this morning we would uh, be able to learn more about how to put to death the sinful nature and to live clothed in you, Lord Jesus Christ. And God, we pray that this morning would be a, a time where we are able to have victory as we look to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your presence here in this place. God, we know you're with us this morning. God, thank you for your presence in our life, that you have come in. We've put to death our old self, and you live in us all through what you've done on the Christ. Oh, Lord Jesus, Christ above all, ultimate one, the one who is before all things and from whom all things hold together. Thank you that you live in us. Oh, God, we're ready, your people, this morning for you to speak to us. Have your way in our lives, we pray today, Lord Jesus. Speak to us during this sermon this service. Our hearts are ready, our minds are open. Come Lord, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's continue to sing. Well, let's welcome Colin and Kathy and Well, I wonder whether you have ever been in a situation where you've found something and you've tried really hard to do something and you were trying so hard to do it right but you couldn't get it done right and you felt like giving up and then suddenly you finally realised that you were doing it the wrong way and someone showed you the right way and it made all the difference. You know, you, you, you're wrestled and you've tried and you've tried and it just doesn't seem to work. And then someone says, that's because you're doing it this way and you change and it all comes together. Ever had that happen? Maybe like driving down the left-hand side of the road in America when you're supposed to drive on the right-hand side of the road. No wonder you're finding it so hard. Or like trying to reason with your wife when she's asking you to do something unreasonable. <laughs> I mean, no wonder you're fighting. You're supposed just to say yes and do it, right? <laughs> She's always right. <laughs> or maybe trying to have fun watching rugby. You're just watching the wrong thing. It's impossible. Watch AFL. <laughs> I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. You know, I thought I understood the Christian life pretty well. I thought I had it all figured out because, you know, it was, it was simple as far as I was concerned when I first... Uh, it started to know, came to know Christ. There were two parts to it. Jesus had done his part. He died on the cross for me. And that was his part. And that was great. 
Now I was to do my part, live for him. And, and I, I found that was something that was just simple. But the only problem was I would come before God after I'd sinned and I'd say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for sinning. Thank you that you've done your part in dying on the cross for me. Thank you. Now I want to do my part. I'm asking for your forgiveness and now I'm going to live for you because that's the two parts. He died for me, I live for him. But then what I'd do is I'd go and if it was a day later, maybe two if I was lucky, and I'd be back and I'd say, God, I, I know I said the day before that I was sorry and that you'd done your part and I've received your forgiveness and now I'm going to live for you, but I've sinned again. And this time I mean it, God. I'm never going to do it again. I'm sorry. I promise you, God, you can trust me. You've done your part. Now I'm going to do my part. I'm oh, sorry. I'm going to live for you. And a day, two days later, I was back before God again and saying, God, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But only this time I felt more guilty than I'd ever felt before. I felt like a hypocrite. I felt like a liar. And I felt like uh, each time I came back, I was worse than the time before. Anyone ever experienced this kind of thing? <laughs> and, and, you know, it got to the point where I felt like I was such a hypocrite and such a fraud that I felt like giving it all away. How can I come back every day or two and say, God, I'm sorry for sinning. You've done your part. I received your forgiveness. Now I'm going to do my part and live for you. But I couldn't do it. And every time I got, felt beat up, I felt um, like I was failing God and I felt like I'd rather just not be a follower of Christ than be a hypocrite. One day I remember, you know, it's, it's as though you sit back and you say to God, I'm sorry for the time I said I'm sorry for saying I'm sorry, I'm sorry for that time, you know. And then you know it's just terrible and you feel like giving up. Well, for me, it was like I was holding on to the end of the rope and I let go. And one day I just said, it's too much. I can remember where I was and how I'd been wrestling with, with, with sin and, and I just I said, God, I can't do this anymore. And it was like I was hanging on to a rope and, and I suddenly sort of let go and I sort of fell. I think it was at that point where God sort of said, I'm here. Like he caught me, like he smiled on me and said, now you're at the exact point I can use you. Because I was thinking it was about me trying, just like some sort of help, self-help plan, you know, where Christ had done his part. Now I had to work hard to please him. But what I found was when I realised that I couldn't do it in my own strength, when I let go of the rope, when I gave up and said, God, I can't do this at all, that's when God said, that's exactly what it's like. That's exactly where I can use you. When you don't think you can do it on your own, when you realise that you can't make it on your own, that's why I'm here. And when I got to that point, it made all the difference in my life. The secret that I had never realised was that it wasn't Christ that Christ did this for me and dying for me and now I had to live for him. But what had actually happened was Christ had died for me, risen again, and now the risen Christ was living in me. So 
what I had to do was not live for him, but live with the power of Christ living in me. Allow him to do it. So all I had to do was stop fighting, trying to do it myself and not allowing Christ's power to be at work within me. And when I let go and said, I give up, I can't do it, then it was as if God was saying, now I can have some room to move in your life. I can do it. I can. Uh, uh, Jesus lived a totally sinless life. His power is at work within me when I've asked him into my life. Therefore, the only way I'm going to be able to conquer sin is not through my strength, but through Christ who lives within me. And this is what had been happening. Instead of me trying more, I needed to die more. Instead of me working harder, it was putting my faith more in Christ and his power and relying on his power rather than my own strength. Now, Paul's been writing to the church in Colossae. And you'll remember that they, they were in danger of being led astray by false teachers. Remember, people were saying things like, um, the things that Epaphras taught weren't enough. You know, it's not just about Jesus. You, you only receive part of the gospel. And then they said things like, um, you need more secret, special knowledge, or you need, uh, uh, you need to observe these certain days, or you need to not eat this food and, and do these kind of things extra. Maybe you need to know a little bit more about these secret messages passed on from angels. And remember that Paul in Colossians chapter 1 sort of writes to them and says, no, 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 Christ is all sufficient. He's supreme. He's the ultimate one. Epaphras gave you all you need when he taught you about Christ. He is all you need. And then remember this incredible verse in Colossians 1.27, Paul writes, for this is the secret, Christ lives in you. The ultimate one? Yes. The one who is before all things and in and through things and who holds all things together, the one who was and is and is. Yes. Christ lives in you. And Paul says, and this is your assurance that you will share in his glory. How do you know you're going to have eternal life? Well, Christ lives in you. And Paul says, it's not through uh, you striving now to live. His power is at work within you to help you have victory, surrender to him. So rather than trying to live according to all these other people's rules, live with Christ in your life and don't try and struggle on your own. The risen Christ was living inside of them. So not on their own strength, but depending on Christ's power at work was how they would do it. Now, some of the people need to hear this today, don't we? I mean... These words from Paul this morning are very important, that Christ lives in you. So confess your sin to him, put your faith in him, and quit trying to do things in your own good works. Put your strength in him. You can't do it alone. And some of you have been struggling with sin over and over again and saying, I'm sorry, Lord, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. And Paul says, quit trying and start trusting. Quit uh, you trying and start dying. Uh, my power is at work within you and I can help you overcome sin. Some of us need to these, hear these words desperately this morning because sin has been something that has gripped us for so long that we think we can never 
overcome certain sins in our life. We've got to a point where we've given up trying, we've let go of the rope, and we've not even, you know, we sort of say, I'll always just live in this sort of sinful way because I can't have victory in there. And Paul's saying, Christ lives in you. Stop trying. Start trusting. Stop trying, start dying. And then Paul, in this chapter, begins and, and tells us, here's some clear things that are for our will uh, in our, our, our life. No matter who you are today, God's will for you is clear in these passages. Because Christ lives in you, he wants us to do four things that this passage shows us today. I think the first thing that he wants us to do is because Christ lives in you, because his power is at work within you, he wants you to think about heaven. Think about heaven. Look what he, he writes. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honour and power. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Don't think only about things down here, for you died when Christ died, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in his glory. Paul says here, since you've been raised to this new life with Christ, because Christ lives in you, Paul says, set your sights on heaven. When I think about set your sights, I think about some of you guys that are shooters, you know, and I think you get the sights out and there might be an innocent rabbit or deer or, or, or pig and you set your sights on that animal callously and cruelly. <laughs> no, I'm only kidding, guys. Uh, but, but, you know, here you are looking for the target. And Paul says to us, set your sights on heaven. Really look towards heaven. May that be at the top of your mind. May that be the thing that fill your thoughts each day. And as Paul said in, in Colossians 1.27, the fact that Christ lives in you is the insurance that we will have eternal life. And that is the guarantee that we're going to be there, that we live in him. And then the, the truth is that we're going to spend the rest of our lives in heaven. And therefore, we should be doing everything we can to, pre to prepare for that day. So Paul says, think about the fact. Dwell on it. Think about heaven. Try and uh, get your minds to be wrapping around what it's going to be like there. And when you do that, it's going to change your behaviour. When you start to think about, when you set your sights on heaven, your behaviour right now will change. Let me explain a little bit what I mean. Imagine if they announced today that at September the 30th, the end of September, the whole world would be changing currency to Japanese yen. 30th of September, it's going to happen. Japanese yen. Well, what would you do? Well, knowing that after the 30th of September, all Australian currency would be useless. I think what, what I would do, and I think what you would do, is try and get rid of as much Australian currency as we could and only leave enough for us to live on, just until September the 30th, because that's the day where all the rest of the Australian currency is going to be totally useless. So what I, I'd do is I'd try and li live just on that much to get to there. And the other thing I'd do is with my excess, with the things that I had left over, 
I'd try and invest it in things that would be of value after 30th of September, and that would be Japanese yen. Whatever was going to help me get more of that after that date, I would invest in. Now listen carefully. There is coming a day when currency will change. When all the things that you've been working for on earth, the things, the material things, the things that you think are great achievements here will be not worth anything anymore. Your house, your comforts, the things in life. There will come a day when Christ will return or you will die and go to be with him. And Paul would say, as he says, set your sights on things in heaven. Is don't go building up massive amounts of things here. Instead of building up all this stuff here that because one day they'll be worth nothing, is to actually use that and invest it in things that will be eternal. What things are eternal? Well, people. People who follow Christ will live forever. And so Paul would be saying to us, set our sights on heaven. You know, use your wealth to help other people come to know Jesus. Use your wealth so that the church's purposes might be fulfilled and God's kingdom would come in great ways. Use your wealth to invest in things that will go on after in heaven. The second thing that I would do if that was... Uh, the, the second thing, apart from people, is I'm, I'm a person myself and I would be investing myself in, so that I was someone who would live on after heaven. My character would become, I'd seek to make it more and more godly knowing that this day is coming. And Paul says, there is coming a day where you will stand before Jesus and you'll give account of your life and you'll, he'll say, how have you used the resources I've given you? And if you say, well, I did a lot of things on earth, build up a lot of wealth and a lot of things on earth, they'll say, well, that's great, but that currency doesn't stand it here. What have you done with your character? How godly are you? How have you become more and more like my son, Jesus? That's a challenge for us, isn't it? And Paul says, fix your thoughts on heaven because now Christ lives in you. This is what it says in verse 4 at the end there. It says, when Christ, who is your real life, is revealed to the world, you will share in all his glory. I think it would be great now just to pause and kind of ask Phil to come and pray that we would be able to fix our sights on heaven, that we wouldn't get caught up in this world. Let's pray together, shall we? Thanks, Phil. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, we, uh, we know you're an amazing God. Your perspective on this world is
principles of things that will build your kingdom, that things that will flourish in prosperity. Lord, help us to press on in you. We pray this that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Phil. And he says, secondly, that because Christ lives in us, remove your dirty clothing. Look what it says in this next passage. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Put to death. Now actually take the sinful things out and shoot them. You know, put them to death. And so is this saying work hard? No, no, no. It's saying because Christ lives in you, trust in him for the strength and power to overcome these things, to put them to death. And what are these things? Well, first of all, uh, Paul says sexual sin. Now, sexual sin is, the Greek word is pornea, which means uh, prostitution or unchastity or fornication. You know, we get the word pornography from this word pornea. It's every kind of unlawful sexual intercourse or immorality, especially between single people and outside of the bounds of marriage. Paul says, take that off. Take off sexual sin. Do you know, you, you can do that. Put it to death. Take, get rid of sexual sin. Put it to death. In Christ's power, who lives within you. Get rid of it. That's what Paul says. Then he says, hey, impurity. Get rid of impurity. Take it off. Uncleanness, this means. It refers to kind of impurity of thought, the thoughts that you have, uh, thoughts or words or actions. And it speaks of, of, of moral filth rather than physical dirtiness here. It's not saying that you're physically impure, but morally impure. Get rid of impurity, things that you think about, things that you say and do. Get rid of them. Take them off. Take off that clothing of, of that impurity, those, those thoughts, and put them to death. Step on them. Get rid of them. Not in your strength, but in Christ's strength. Then he says, get rid of lust. Refers to strong uh, and unbridled passions. Shameful desires, he says as well. Get rid of that as well. Take, take those off. These are all kinds of desires, often a violent kind of cravings, weird kind of horrible thoughts that you have. Take them off. Greed, he talks about. Get rid of greed or covenant, covetousness in general. That actually means a desire to have more and more and more and not being able to do it. It says, get rid of it. Throw it off. Not in your own strength. But in Jesus' name, because Christ lives within you. And his power that raised Jesus from the dead lives right within you. Then he says, uh, so far the list has been uh, things that have been actions and it moves to kind of things that moves on to motives. And it's kind of all these various forms of, sinful, uh, of, of sexual sin are kind of described there. And uh, the, the word of God is clear people. It's so clear that there's nothing inheritively wrong with sex. Sex is good. And God made it to be a wonderful, marvellous thing. 
between two committed people in marriage. And, and, and God's intention for sex is that it would be beautiful in a trust, trusting, loving environment where people can honour and love one another. But when we take that and distort it and use it for our own you know, personal gratification, where we kind of be greedy and grab and you know, lustful and these shameful desires distort what was beautiful and what was good and what was lovely. This was the sin that stood out amongst the people in Paul's day, amongst the pagan people. And clearly today it is a real problem. And this may be that thing that you've been struggling with year after year after year. Maybe you have found yourself saying, God, I promise I will never, ever, ever look at pornographic material on the internet again. I promise, God. I promise. And then perhaps you feel like a a, a hypocrite because you've said that so many times. Why not say, God, I can't. I can't stop in my own strength. That's why I need you. Christ, you live in me. I want to die to me and let you that live in me, Christ, give me the power to overcome that. The same power that raised Christ from the dead can help you deal with sexual sins. He goes on and he talks about so many other other different things um, here. He also talks about um, things that like degrading sexual talk before, you know, like shameful desires and things like that. And, and maybe for you, it's been at work, you know, there are people that often talk about women or men in, in horrible situations as well, like just, just degrading women or talking about men in, in sexual ways. And maybe you find yourself caught up in that talk, um, ladies or, or, or guys too. And it might be that time and time again you say, I'm not going to get involved in that kind of discussion at the office. And, and then you come back again and say, God, sorry, sorry, sorry. Or cry out to him because he lives in you. Give up struggling on your own and ask for Christ's power that lives within you to put to death those things of the sinful nature. It says in Colossians 3, uh, 6, it says, God's terrible anger will come upon those who do such things. You used to do them before Christ came and dwelt within you when your life was still part of this world. But he's saying, don't do them now. Take them off because Christ lives in you. Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I've put to death my old self and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith, by faith in the Son of God. Believe that Christ lives in you and trust in his power. Uh, Paul goes on, he says, take off anger. You know, anger's uh, a strong spirit of dislike or animosity, a vengeful spirit um, of settled feelings of hatred. And that's as far as I'm going to go, you'll be pleased to know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Otherwise, I'll be making you think about the things we're not to think about. <laughs> he says, get rid of anger and, and a strong feeling of hatred. You know, rage. He says, get rid of rage. This is kind of an out of control anger. If you've ever been in the presence of people that are just filled with rage, it's frightening. 
And some of you have that struggle and you can take it off. You can take it off. You don't have to live with rage all the time. You can have victory over it. You can take it off because of Christ's power that's work within you. Paul wouldn't ask you to take it off if you couldn't in Jesus' name. So he's saying to get rid of it. So this, you don't have to live a life of rage. Malicious behaviour, this is kind of when uh, it's kind of really bad conduct towards somebody else with the idea of harming someone or uh, hurting someone's reputation. Maybe some of you have been in, in families where your father took delight in maliciously not giving you enough food and you know, starving you. Or maybe, they, maybe your parents were like, and maybe you are like that now. You hate that about yourself. But sometimes you will purposely hurt people because of this sinful feeling. Take it off. Take it off. Get rid of it. Dirty language. Uh, uh, slander. Dirty language. Lying. Distorting the truth. Paul says, all of these things you've stripped off with your old nature. So get rid of them. And he says, in its place, you have clothed yourself with a brand new nature that is continually being renewed as you learn more and more about Christ who created you. So don't just get rid of this, put on that new nature. Instead of the old clothes, you've been given brand new clothes and a new nature that's continually being renewed every day as you learn more and more about Jesus. Take off the old, put on the new. Paul says in, in verse 11, in this new life, it doesn't matter whether you're Jew or Gentile, whether you're circumcised or uncircumcised, whether you're barbaric or uncivilised, whether you're slave or free. Christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us. That's encouraging. You know why? You know, Jews had all the law and they kind of knew all the right, holy, right ways to live. Gentiles didn't. But it didn't matter, Paul's saying. If Christ is in you, it doesn't matter. I want to say to you today, you may have grown up not even knowing your parents. And you may think, uh, I'm just going to have to live in a way that's full of resentful because of the way my parents treated me. But Paul would say, no, no, no. Even if your parents uh, disowned you, all that matters is Christ is in you. You don't have to live like that. In Christ's power, you can take off the anger about that, the feeling of unloveness. You can, you can take that off and, and, and get rid of it. You know, the, the other parties, you know, maybe you've grown up in a family that has just been uh, abusive towards you and you've suffered horribly in your family and you think, I could never be like a pastor's kid or, a, or like a missionary's kid because, you know, they, they've got all the, all the great things. It doesn't matter, Paul's saying. All that matters is Christ in you. So, so don't think you're not as good as anyone else or that you don't, you're not going to be able to get the same power because you don't have all the right privileges. No, everybody can take off the sinful name, uh, nature in the power of Christ. Quit trying, absolutely. Surrender to Christ and let his power work in. But it's available to you no matter what your circumstances. If you've put your faith in Christ, you've got the power to do it. That's good news, isn't it? Because you've got all different, we've all got different struggles. And we look at others and we think we could never be like them, but Paul's saying you can. It's the power of Christ. 
It's not your background that matters. I, I just love us to pause again and pray and pray that we will be able to take off this stuff. And Phil, would you come and pray again? We're going to pray that he would give us strength to do this. Thanks. Let's pray. Our Father God, we, we praise you, God, that Christ is in us. Christ is living in us. We can trust in you. Father God, Christ, Christ is out there. He can help us. Help us to take on the blessings of the one life. We know that you are the Lord. We know that you want for us. He wants, to put us, he wants us to put on new clothes, doesn't he? There we go. He says, not only do you take off the sinful nature, that's just part of it all, but you want to put on new clothes. And this is what he says, because Christ lives in you, put on new clothes. Put on new clothes that Christ enables you to put on because he lives in you. What, what are some of those clothes? What are some of the things? Well, look how he starts off in this little section. He says, to God's chosen, uh, be, since God chose you to be holy people whom he loves. You see, he's chosen you to be holy. If you know Jesus, if you've put your trust in him, he's chosen you to be holy. He wants you to be holy. His power at work within you wants to help you be holy. And he says, because of that, now clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, which means sort of heartfelt compassion. It's kind of like literally means in the bowels of compassion. You know, they, they thought that the heart was, came right from within you. And so uh, with this heartfelt compassion, put on that for people. Really care about people. This means having mercy and compassion that comes from deep, deep within. So when you see people hurting, show them that heartfelt compassion. He says, put on kindness. That means goodness. It means um, being kind to people and generous. This is the way God is towards us. He loves us. You, you know, in Romans it says, it's your kindness that leads us to repentance, oh Lord. God has been kind to us. He hasn't treated us in the way that we deserve. So you, be kind to each other. Let's be kind to one another. Uh, have humility, he says. Put on the clothes of humility. You know, uh, this is lowliness. This is kind of like um, what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3 where he says, consider others better than yourselves. You know, don't always be looking for the most best position. You know, take off pride and put on humility. Gentleness, he says. Clothe yourself with gentleness. This is not speaking about weakness. It's not saying just be a big pushover, a walkover, but it's rather having the strength to deny yourself and to walk in grace towards others. You know, gently showing love and grace to other people. This is what he wants you to put yourself, to clothe yourself with. 
patience. Oh, that's a challenging one, isn't it? This kind of speaks of long-suffering under provocation. You know, when you're being provoked to keep patiently enduring. It's kind of a long endurance when you're being offended. You know, keep being patient. Be long-suffering, he's saying. And then forgive. He says that we're to make allowances for each other's faults. We're we're to really uh, try and, um, you know, forgive other people when they do things to us. You know, you can only forgive people if they've caused you offence. And most of the time when people cause us offence, that's when we don't want to forgive them. So let's just make it clear, you're going to be offended in this life. People are going to hurt you and they're going to really hurt you. That's when you need to forgive. So the goal is not to walk around and not be hurt by anyone. You know, sometimes we think just, if we can just get everyone to be nice to each other, it's going to be okay. You will be offended. You will be hurt. But, but Paul saying, clothe yourself with forgiveness. If people hurt you even willingly, learn to forgive. Learn to forgive. Why? Because Christ forgave you. You didn't deserve to be forgiven. It's not just that you're a good person that Christ forgave you. None of us are good enough to receive God's forgiveness. But Christ treated you in the way that you didn't deserve. And he says, close yourself in that. Uh, Also, he says, love, that's the most important thing. You know, if you can know people, know them by their love. That's the way it it, it shows. And gentleness, uh, sorry, peace and thanksgiving. Let that be continually a part of your life. You know, Paul's always talking about thanksgiving, thanksgiving. Well, Paul says, fourthly, God's will for you, because Christ lives in you, is to live for Christ daily. So now, uh, not only do you set your sights on heaven, not only do you take off and put to death the sinful nature as Christ within you empowers you to do that, not only do you clothe yourself now in the clothes of righteousness that comes from having Christ within you, but live every day daily for Christ. Look what the passage says here. It says, let the words of Christ in all their richness live in your hearts and make you wise. So know God's word is the first thing you can do to live daily. You know, read it, study it, memorize it. Let it stay in your heart and in your mind. These words will make you wise. They'll help you live the way Christ wants you to. Teach it. Teach it to your kids. Challenge each other. Counsel each other with God's word. Be those that let God's word dwell richly in us. Read the Bible every day. Wrestle with God's word. Help this be the thing that guides your life. Secondly, he says, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with a thankful heart. Praise God. Don't don't live in a life that says, well, God has saved me and, well, ho-hum. Come and praise him. As we come to church each week, come ready to burst and to praise him. Whistle songs and hymns during the week. Let, let, let your joy and your thankfulness live a life of thankfulness. And then finally he says, and whatever you do, let your, you live as a representative to God so the people who see you see what God is like, see what Christ is like. Because Jesus lives in you. Let that be seen by everyone. Always giving thanks to God the Father. You know, I think for some of you this morning, uh, this may be the very thing that you go, ah, now I realise. I've been driving on the left-hand road in in America. 
and now you've just explained to me what it is I've been trying and I just need to surrender and die and let Christ live in you. I want to just quickly pray for you now and pray that this morning you will just realise the difference so clearly that it would transform your life, that Christ would come and dwell in you as you put your trust in him and that his power would help you have victory in sin. If that's you, I really want to pray for you this morning, especially those sins that you've been struggling with. Time after time, they've been tripping you up and you've felt you've been defeated in that way. I want to pray for you. And secondly, I want to pray for those who have never put their trust in you, in Jesus, this morning. I want to ask that today, if you've never done that, I want to give you a chance to do that now. Let's pray, shall we? Oh God, we want to thank you that you live in us. Thank you that you've given us the power and the strength to live each day. God, I want to pray for people this morning that are finally just realising it's clicking, that it's not about trying harder, but it's about dying. It's about allowing your, you, risen Lord Jesus, within us by the power of your Holy Spirit to have victory. Oh God, now I pray for people right now that you would just be coming and, and letting them know that your power is available and at work within them. Those that have put their trust in Jesus Christ, he is here to strengthen you. He lives within you. God, I pray that these people would have victory this, this week as they look to you for strength, as they flee from sin, as they take it off, as they put it to death. God, we pray that we as a church would continue to grow more and more like you. And this morning, God, if there are people here that don't know you, just want to uh, pause for a moment. And if that's you this morning, you might just want to pray a simple prayer like this. Jesus, I, I can't do it by myself. I need you. Thank you for dying on the cross and rising again. Come and live in me. I turn from my own way of life. I want to live for you. Thank you for eternity. Thank you for your power that will be at work within me. If that's you, just, you might just want to say yes and amen to that. God, may our lives never be the same. May we go from strength to strength, trusting in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, just in these final moments. If you would just grab your blue card, that would be great. That's in your news sheet or you might have it attached to you.